Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pony Express, the flagship, the general interest, the what-have-you podcast of the Post Rider and the Post Rider Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Mike Levito, and I'm joined by Post Rider President Lars Emerson. Uh, it's CEO now, Mike. Excuse me, Post Rider CEO Lars Emerson. How's it going, Mike? Editor-in-Chief, Mike. Yes, I'm the Editor-in-Chief. And Post Rider CMO, Lewis Ryan. Uh, it's President now, Mike. <laughs> I know it's January 6th, but we can't have two Presidents. Come on. Um, oh, that was a low yeah. blow. <laughs> um, so, a little background on this episode is that uh, we were going to do this in person, and then I got COVID. <laughs> so, we were all in, like, the same place for the first time in, like, three years. Yes. Um, uh, I, I'm fine. It was a very mild case. I really only had a sore throat and a little congestion and stuff. But, uh, yeah. Um, we're, we're glad you've healed, Mike. It was, uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a bummer. It was, yeah. So, basically, Lars had flown out to New Jersey to hang out with us. And on, like, 12 hours in... <laughs> I was like, man, my throat's still bothering me. I should probably take another test. And I did. And I was like, well, this looks positive. Let me take another. And that was also <laughs> positive. So <laughs> Lars uh, ferreted off to Hoboken with Lewis and had to also then fly back out to Colorado early because of the impending snowstorms. <laughs> it's been a terrible holiday season. <laughs> but 2021 is over. It is. And that's what this podcast is more or less about. We are doing our year in review, um, where we talk about our favorite things of the year. Um, we're going to start off with our top three movies, our top three TV. Some of us will have top three music, and then we'll have kind of a wild card round where we can talk about every one. But let's start off with uh, movies. Why not? Because I feel like we talk about the most on this podcast. Um, let's start with you, Lars. What is your third favorite movie of the year? My third favorite movie movie of the year. So I actually watched, like, only five movies this year, <laughs> if we're not including, like, TV shows. That's not, like, quite true, but it's almost true. So it's a little bleak. I think my f- – I think I'm going to go with a documentary I watched uh, called Four Hours at the Capitol, which is actually very topical for the day we are recording this. Um, it was probably the most disturbing film I have ever watched, and I – haven't been able to like quite shut up about it since it basically just like is a chronicle hour by hour of what happened on january 6 2021 uh there's interviews with members of congress with insurrectionists with the police officers and it is just very powerful and disturbing footage like i had to keep pausing at points because it was so it it was just a lot i would highly recommend it if you want to relive that day as if you were there I, who wouldn't, you know? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> who wouldn't yeah. want to do that? I, like, every time I've, I've, like, tried to talk, like, my dad into watching it, and he's like, I don't ever want to watch that. I was like, no, no, it's really good. He's like, no. So I get that, but... Yeah, I mean, I was there, so I don't really need to <laughs> relive it. It's it's recounted in my testimony to federal court. I don't really right. need to... <laughs> yeah. um, that, that's, like... I'm in five years. I may want to watch that, but yeah, right yeah. now I don't know if, if it's a thing I would want to experience. But that sounds interesting. totally fair. It's on HBO Max for anyone who is interested. You will leave more angry than you have ever been. <laughs> I, angry that they didn't pull it off, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah. of course we do not endorse uh, political violence. Uh, Lewis, what, uh, what? What about you? <laughs> Uh, my third favorite yes, film yes. of the year. Yes. Um, all right. So number three was a film that um, people might have seen in theaters. They might have seen on Apple TV Plus. Uh, the film Finch with Tom Hanks playing a uh, sort of an engineer in a post-apocalyptic environment who creates a, a robot assistant to help him uh, navigate the post-apocalyptic environment. Uh, Finch. Uh Really, really great, heartfelt film. Um, felt like, you know, a Twilight Zone episode, Outer Limits episode, you know, stretched to feature length. But I, I thought it was very well done. Uh, Tom Hanks, obviously, is a great actor. The production design elements were really well done. And, um, you know, so this was an Apple TV Plus original. And um, 
you know, it felt just, you know, like your average ordinary feature film. So uh, Finch is what I would say. It was my number three. Yeah, I have not seen that, but I like Tom Hanks and it seems pretty accessible. So, yeah, um, my top three are sort of stuff that I thought were a little bit off the beaten path. So um, these are just things that I thought would be good recommendations for anyone who might not have seen every single movie in 2021. <laughs> or if you've seen, you know, all the big blockbusters, um, these are a little bit off the beaten path. Yeah. All right. I appreciate that because I need to watch some non-blockbusters. <laughs> sure. Well, my number three is The Green Knight, um, the movie uh, starring Dev Patel and directed by that guy. What's that guy's name? David Lowry. Um, a, in an Arthurian adaptation um, about it has like a some I mean like from a plot perspective I guess it's simple in the sense that it's like the Knights of the Round Table are celebrating Christmas this this uh, green knight this tree like creature comes and says I will let any of your knights uh, you know basically strike me with the only caveat that next year on Christmas they have to come to where I am and I get to do the same thing to them uh, this guy cuts off the, the green knight's head which means that in a year he has to go get his head cut off, and it's basically just about his journey there and really explores kind of... Um, just, just, it's, it's just, you know, he gets into these just kind of different uh, situations along the path, and it's just kind of like this very, like, uh, very well-shot and interesting uh, kind of rumination on, like, honor and valor and if it's really all worth it <laughs> at all. So yeah, The Green Knight, I, good movie. I had no idea that's what that movie was about. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a, wow. it's an adaptation of the uh, Arthurian legend. Um, I also in, very much enjoyed The Green Knight and would recommend it to everyone. It's definitely like a sumptuous feast of a movie mm-hmm. on like the visuals and atmosphere it creates. Um, so if you have like a movie theater style set up at your house, I would definitely put it on. And like, like what Mike was saying, it definitely tells a great story about, you know, knighthood and honor and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And as someone who, who read the Arthurian stories when they were young, I was kind of waiting for a film like The Green Knight to come out because there's really kind of a dearth of really good King Arthur style movies. So I would say definitely check out The Green Knight if you have a chance. Yeah. All right, Lars, you're, you're number two. So my number two favorite movie of this year, uh, I am going to go with Spider-Man No Way Home. I am starting to get a sneaking suspicion we all probably have the same number one. Uh, So I'm going to – it was directed by John Watts. Spider-Man No Way Home is my number two pick. Um, I really liked it. (laughs) The the second, spoiler alert, like Daredevil showed up, like this jumped – like a whole star up um but i thought they like pulled it off way better than i expected them to and uh i don't know it's like it's i feel like it's the first movie of the year that everyone went out and saw mm-hmm. um i can't actually think of any others including like other marvel movies that like people were like nuts about whereas like this one is like every it was like a packed theater which was probably not for the best uh given when it came out but it, i mean it was just like and everyone in the audience was super into it it I haven't had an experience like that since Mike and I saw Ad Astra. <laughs> no, just kidding. But I haven't had an experience like that in like three years. Like that's been, I've, I've kind of missed that. So for a nostalgia reason, that is my second favorite. Okay. It, it was good. I, it, was, it was probably my third favorite Marvel movie of the year. Um, Interesting. In a year where three came out. But uh, I, it, was, it was fun, you know. Four uh, a lot came, came out. out. More came, came out than three. In 2021. What, that we had Shang Chi, Black, Black Widow, Widow, and Eternals. Eternals. Oh, never mind. It was my yeah third of four then. Okay. Um, we all know Eternals was your favorite, <laughs> Mike. Hey, Lewis, what about you? What's your second? Well, I was going to say my sec- number two film was The Green Knight, but since Mike uh, threw it out in there, I'll I'll throw something else into the cosmic gumbo of our uh, <laughs> movie recommendations. <laughs> And recommend <laughs> Detective Crashmore. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, I'll say number two is uh, The Card Counter, directed mm-hmm. by Paul Schrader, writer of Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, director of films like uh, Mishima. 
um, and First Reformed. The card counter stars Oscar Isaac as a, a man named William Tell who just wants to play cards. And it's sort of set on the in the backdrop, you know, of casinos and gambling and stuff like that. But it's a film that's really kind of about uh, war, being a veteran, the things you can do when you're abroad that sort of necessarily define you, and then you're adjusting to a normal civilian life when you return. It's definitely a dark, um, interesting tale of a story that is sort of off the beaten path, doesn't really get told too often. It's definitely, definitely didn't feel like cliched in all the ways you think that a movie called The Card Counter starring Oscar Isaac would would feel when you heard about it. So I would definitely recommend everyone check it out. It's definitely not as uh, good or as tight as First Reform, but I definitely uh, enjoyed uh, watching it. So if you have the opportunity, I would suggest checking it out. Yeah, I um, I really enjoyed First Reformed, and obviously have you know the, the tax driver and all of that, but uh, have not um, was waiting for the reviews to come in on the card counter because like for whatever reason the trailers I was like eh, I don't know, but I know a lot of people liked it, so I will definitely probably end up checking that out. And I love Oscar Isaac. Who doesn't? Um, it, a number of people have recommended this movie to me, so I will definitely check it out. All right. Uh, my number two is The Velvet Underground, which is a documentary about the Velvet Underground, <laughs> um, who are, of course, the sort of trailblazing band uh, from New York City, led by Lou Reed, most famously, um, and who collaborated with Andy Warhol and Nico. Um, and it's just this very sort of in-depth documentary, just really about the members of the band and the history of the band, and also really endeavors to bring you into kind of the you know, Greenwich Village art scene of that era, the 1960s. And uh, it was, I saw, I saw this movie at Lincoln Center in this very big theater with this like really impressive sound system, um, which helped because I feel like in a lot of ways, this movie is like, it almost felt like a museum piece. Like it felt kind of experimental at points. Um, And it eschewed a lot of the sort of cliches of a music documentary. You don't have music critics talking about how important the music is. They really focus on interviewing the people who were there, um, which helps. And I think it's, you can view it uh, on uh, Apple Plus. So, um, yeah, if, if you like The Velvet Underground, you'll like this movie. If you want to know more about The Velvet Underground, you should listen to the music first, but you'll, you know, you'll learn a lot from this movie. And, uh, yeah, it was really, really enjoyable experience. Lars, you're number one. My number one favorite film of the year was, of course... Dune. Yes. <laughs> um, feel free to shout out if that was also your number one, gang. It was my number um, one. Um, Lewis is being very indie today, uh, so it's okay. But well, I, it was, I, it was I, knew, I knew someone was going to say it, so I, yeah. I came up with a different number, three through one. Yeah. Um, the, the Denis Villeneuve movie, Dune, uh, if you didn't hear about it, it was like the biggest movie for like a month and everyone was talking about it uh super good really well done um it definitely has like some flaws as i've gotten months past seeing it that are that just kind of stand out more but it is like beautiful it is a gorgeous movie um and i highly recommend it yeah uh, yeah if only there were more spider-men in it tonight, <laughs> yeah. it would have been a perfect film but uh you can check out we did a podcast episode we about did, dune yes. Yeah, that's why I'm not going to talk too much about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good. It's really good. And Oscar Isaac's in it. He is. That's true. Yeah. The card counter himself. <laughs> so uh, to, to, to separate myself from the pack, I'll say my number one was definitely uh, the most surprising film I saw in the sense that like, I went in knowing absolutely nothing about this movie and then it just absolutely blew me away when I left the theater and I was like raving about how I think this was possibly the greatest film I've ever seen (laughs) in my entire life. Um, A film called Wrath of Man, starring uh, Jason Statham and directed by Guy Ritchie. It's a a definitely sort of an action thriller type movie. Jason Statham is perfectly cast in the role of his character as a man joining up with a uh, sort of an armored security van group, the kinds you know, that, you know, transport money from banks to security facilities and whatnot. It sound, doesn't sound like the most exciting premise in the world, but uh, it definitely takes you on a, a thrill ride that 
I really enjoyed. It's different than Guy Ritchie's usual fare with, you know, quick jump cuts and, um, you know, fast-paced music, stuff like that. It's definitely sort of a slower-paced uh, thriller that sort of takes its time, and I, I really enjoyed it and really uh, enjoyed the ride it took me on when we got to the end of the film. So I'd recommend it. Yeah, I saw your Letterboxd review, Lewis. It was quite possibly the greatest film ever made. <laughs> it was it was a good film. Uh, which I thought uh, you were kind of like joking about because you're much less serious about Letterboxd than I feel like Michael or I, or I are. But it's good to hear that you stand by it. No, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I just was surprised because uh, I, I hadn't really heard too much about it or seen much marketing for it, but I, I went to the theater to see it basically on a whim, and I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I think it's a film that I people I hope people will discover in, in, as time goes on and uh, talk about more. All right, yeah, I, you, you've made me want to see it. I think I had seen a trailer, I think probably before The Many Saints of Nork, and I was like, this seems fine. But now that it is apparently the greatest movie ever made, I feel compelled <laughs> I, to go out and see it. I am dreading the inevitable backlash. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, yeah, as, as Lars said, my favorite was also Dune. I think if I had to throw in one just to differentiate, um, I guess I'd, I'd say Licorice Pizza, um... A lot, lot of fun. The new Paul Thomas Anderson movie starring uh, Cooper Hoffman, son of Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Alana Haim of the band Haim. Uh, in some ways, it was like just prestige Caddyshack, which is um, uh, fun. So, yeah, if, if you're looking for a good time, licorice pizza. Um, all right. I, I did want to say, I, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> went, if we ever got together, because I, I knew you would probably like licorice pizza, but... Uh, that it's definitely the best film with uh, Herbie the Love Bug in it. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Herbie fully loaded. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, it it certainly is. Um, yes. Oh, Herbie, gotta love Herbie. All right, um, let's let's shift gears now to um, TV shows. Um, Lars, what what? Give me a number three TV show. Sure. So this is such a weird year because the line between TV shows and movies was very much blurred this year, more than I feel like it's ever been. It's like, I don't know. There were just a lot of shows like Squid Game, all of the Marvel shows, like just those that are all kind of like movie-ish or were like marketed or Letterboxd counts them as like a movie. Um, so I think my number three favorite show of the year, just out of pure entertainment value, was Hawkeye. Um, I I really liked it. I enjoyed seeing the Kingpin return, uh, and I've I've always been kind of a big fan of the Hawkeye character. Um, and Kate Bishop was a very welcome addition. Um, and I think the Marvel shows like started out kind of weak this year, but like kept getting better and better. And Hawkeye was the best, so that was my third favorite show of the year. Yes, Hawkeye is not on my list, but I also really enjoyed it. If you liked. The Matt Fraction and David Aja run um, on of of the comic book Hawkeye, then you will like this movie. It is, it borrows heavily from it, and yeah, Haley Steinfeld a delight as Kate Bishop. Um, yeah, good and like you said, I think definitely the best the best Disney Plus Marvel show. Yeah, uh, Lewis, how about how about you? Uh, for number three, mm-hmm. I'll say In Treatment on HBO. Uh, show about Uzo Aduba playing a therapist who sees uh, a variety of patients and it's basically each episode is a a session between her and her patients. I was a big fan of the original in treatment and I was excited to see it come back for a fourth season. I thought it was pretty good overall. I do have some problems with it and the way it's changed since the original started but I definitely thought it was um, uh, a welcome treat to devote a half hour of your time to watching each of the episodes unfold, and I thought Uzo Aduba was really good as the uh, therapist. Is it like the original in treatment where they have, like... Because it wasn't the original aired, like, five nights a week? Yeah, it, the original in treatment was aired five nights a week. This was aired Sundays and Mondays, two episodes back-to-back, Sunday night and Monday night. Okay. And it's about, like, 20, 26 episodes long. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, it delves into... 
the therapist dealing with her pa her patients and then also the effect it has on her personal life. Um, if I had more time to delve in more deeply, I would definitely say there were problems and things I wouldn't have done that sort of disrupt the core and seem gimmicky in retrospect, but I, I you know, it was nice to see the show come back at all. So I, I'd say Intrimo was definitely worth a spot on my top three list. All right. Uh, my number three, I, I said Hacks, which we talked about in a podcast earlier this year. Um, you know, the uh, HBO Max show about an aging comedian who hires a young upstart millennial writer to help freshen up her act in uh, beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, yeah, just, just a very well-written show. Um, great lead performances from Gene Smart and Hannah Einbinder. And uh, really, really enjoyed it. Like I said, we talked about it on the podcast, so I won't, I won't go too long on it. But yeah, hacks, good stuff. That it is. Mm -hmm. Your number two. Number two. So my number two favorite show this year was season two of Tim Robinson's "I Think You Should Leave." Uh, I think "I Think You Should Leave" might be the show that has had the most impact on my life <laughs> in like the last 15 years it does not get old and it is uh it is just amazing like i it there's there's like a definite definitive turning point in my life and my sense of humor once that first season came out and the second season i think was a little weaker but i mean i don't know i i still make the jokes and i still laugh and like Let's get some sloppy steaks, guys. <laughs> you gotta give. Yeah, you, you gotta, gotta give. Yeah, probably the best. I think that might be the best gift of the entire series, or at least definitely the season was the you gotta give one. Um, yeah, I I really enjoyed the the like haunted house one. <laughs> mm -hmm. too. Oh, yes, yeah, um, yeah. There 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 are a lot of good moments. Um, and it's very, it's just very fun when you like run into someone else who like likes the show or who like overhears you making a reference. This happened to me at Thanksgiving <laughs> is there was like a second cousin who like overheard me going like, let's slop them up. And he was like, oh my God, did you guys, go? I don't remember the, what's the t-shirt one where it's like, you go and get all those Dan flashes. Yeah. Dan flashes. He was like, dude, I just bought an actual Dan flashes t-shirt. They sell them. And then he, like, showed me. It was very funny. It's yeah. just, it's like the ultimate, like, in-joke. I love it. I was at a Halloween party this year, and there was a guy in a Dan Flasher shirt. Um, I, I also, uh, in a class of mine, there was a guy wearing a, like, Santa hat. And someone turned to me and went, you ever watch I Think You Should Leave? And then I went, it's illegal for you to ask me that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Anyway, great. Yeah, I, I'm on the record as being huge fans um, i think lars and i could have a conversation justin i think you should leave quotes oh absolutely uh, <laughs> we probably have at some point um <laughs> lewis what, what's your number two uh uh there's a hip new show on hbo called curb your enthusiasm <laughs> season 11 uh larry david returns to get up to his antics portraying his uh in inimitable character of larry david as he traipses around Los Angeles, getting into all sorts of mayhem and mishaps around um, uh, acceptable protocol and etiquette in social situations. Um, it's amazing that uh, a show that's been on for literally 20 years is still just as good as you know when it first started. Um, definitely a big surprise at the end of 2021 to have it return and come back and um, still, still be good, make you laugh. Um, definitely makes brings in some interesting topical issues and plays them in ways that you wouldn't expect, but it's ultimately for maximum hilarity. So if anyone hasn't watched the show yet, definitely check out the latest season to find out what all the hubbub is about. Wait, so it's I, I have not really watched much Curb Your Enthusiasm in my life, but it seems like people think that like this has been like a particularly good later season. Like, is that... Is it, like, better than you think a lot of the recent seasons, or is it just, like... Yeah, so it, seasons 9, 10, and 11 are the newest seasons, I believe, after a very long hiatus after season 8. So I would say of those three, season 11 was definitely the strongest. And uh, I know a lot of people were, uh, when COVID hit, they were like, 
and knowing Curb Your Enthusiasm was on the horizon, they were like, ooh, I wonder what Larry's take on COVID's going to be. And it's like, it's ultimately a very, very minor part of it before it just gets back to business as usual Curb stuff. But definitely it's the strongest of the, the newest seasons of Curb Your Enthusiasm. All right. I, I may have to get through those prior 10 seasons <laughs> that I've been putting off for yeah, it's my a, entire life. <laughs> we were watching um, CNN's uh the the history yeah the the, the not 2000s the, the 2000s episode about television and someone bravely referred to curbing curb your enthusiasm as the true successor to seinfeld <laughs> which <laughs> i think might be the most unnecessary statement <laughs> to say aloud but uh it's definitely definitely a very good show that follows in the seinfeld mold where you can pretty much just t- tune into an episode and just get ready to laugh you don't really need to have a whole dense lore of larry david's <laughs> Back, background and history before you tune in to watch yeah all right the two too few shows like that nowadays i think um anyway my number two show a very obvious pick for i think anyone in america but season three of succession um you know i i feel like i don't have to explain it too much it's very popular um it it's you know a show that manages i think to be sort of like can be devastating but also just like very very funny at the same time um obviously jeremy strong gets all the plaudits for his his acting but i think that the, the cast is just amazing like um what's his name brian cox is very good sarah snook is very good kieran culkin's very good matthew mcfadden like i Great. like <laughs> would like i would like actively campaign for him to win an emmy if i could like it He's so so good yeah. in this. He plays I, Tom. I don't want to win an Emmy, Mike. <laughs> and he just watching him slowly lose his mind throughout the the series was just a, a real treat. Um, and just just some real like it, it was kind of like the one show this year where I was like, the night it came out, I felt the need to like rush to my computer and like boot up HBO Max. Um, Partly because I think it would also be the show that would be spoiled for me the easiest, but also I just had to like, um, I just had to know, just just really gripping and and not maybe not as smart as it thinks it is sometimes, but just really really well done, uh, entertaining television. Here, here, yeah. great show, great season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What's what's your number two, Lars? So my number one. Number number one oh, my number two me, is i think you should one. leave my number one is actually going to be hacks uh i think that was my favorite show of this year kind of took me by surprise um i just you know i i i flew through it and i loved every minute of it it's just very entertaining and very good um prestige television you're here all right yeah listen to our podcast on it people yeah, we are not paid by HBO slash Time Warner. <laughs> no. we, we are a pretty HBO biased crowd, though, but that's just because they make the best stuff. Hmm. Um, so my number one, uh, only murderers in the building hmm. on the Hulu, starring uh, these unknown actors Steve Martin, Martin Short, <laughs> and Selena Gomez, where they uh, basically play a, uh, a ragtag group of misfits who fall backwards into hosting a true crime podcast investigating a murder in their uh, New York uh, ritzy apartment building. Um, It's definitely a very enjoyable show, kept me entertained throughout all 10 of its episodes. There were some formally interesting episodes, including one episode that was basically uh, entirely dialogue free that I thought was interesting. Definitely an enjoyable comfort show. Definitely is not going to set anyone's eyebrows on fire. uh, definitely a good show to watch, maybe with family members. Uh, if we remember a time when we could watch shows with people <laughs> instead of by ourselves in front of a laptop or computer. Um, uh, yeah, very enjoyable. Looking forward to the second season. And um, yeah, Only Murderers in the Building on Hulu. Yeah, a, a very good like parody slash homage to like true crime podcasts. Um, while also just being like very funny and enjoyable and accessible and yeah a fun fact one of my professors at nyu uh lives in that building <laughs> uh oh but looking forward to the next season then yeah <laughs> where he gets fingered as the culprit 
Yes. Uh, it could could be. Um, all right. My number one show was uh, actually a Hulu show, so breaking the HBO mold. Well, actually, so is Old Marriage in the Building. But um, it's Pen15. Um, P-E-N-15. Type that out if you want to figure hey, out what that wait means. a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Pen15, it, 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 it was... They, they were calling it Season 2 Part 2 because... Uh, the filming of their season two was actually interrupted by COVID. Like they had to shut down production. Um, and so the whole sort of like gimmick central gimmick of pen 15 is that um, it is a show about two middle school girls in like 2000, but they are both played by actresses in their thirties. Um, but everyone else in the cast is like the right age. Like they play opposite, like actual like middle school, not, you know, like 13, 14 year olds, whatever. Um, just really good. It's very funny. It definitely relies a lot on like cringe humor, which I think can kind of like um, be hit or miss for a lot of people. But I think they're pretty effective with it. And also, it's very you know, it, it's very moving at points. One of the characters, um, her parents are going through a divorce, so there's lots of stuff about that in it as well. And just like a really, and the ending is like, there's one scene in the final episode that is alternately like horrifying like legitimately like 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 terrible like what happens but it is also funny like it, they strike this really incredible balance between just being like really really sort of heartrending but also very funny so uh yeah it might not be for everybody but uh pen 15 on hulu definitely recommend you check it out all right um, so I, did, did you were you going to say something Lewis? you looked like you were going to say something no I was just I, I think and it's wrapped up now too unfortunately right before it's time pen 15 so we've moved on to the music section of our evening Lars and I we can go through this quick because I don't think L- Lewis has it Lewis doesn't listen to music <laughs> Daft, Daft, can I say Daft Punk was this year right Yes, they broke up this year. Yeah, well, it's not like a song. No, no, no. But I, I just, as someone who doesn't listen to a whole lot of music and only has like five groups they listen to, I was definitely very upset that Daft, Daft Punk came back very briefly, only to break up earlier this year. Right. And then, um, so that that's it. I, I've been listening to. I was listening to Daft Punk albums on repeat since then. So that's the music I listened to in twenty twenty one. Yeah, definitely. I was. I guess in some ways surprised how much of an impact that seemed to have them breaking up. Like people were very upset, but but it, but it makes sense. It, it felt like the biggest like moment in music in 2021. Even though I don't know, there's so it's so weird, right? Because it's like they hadn't made an album in like what seven years, and then they get together just to say like, oh yeah, we're done, <laughs> just to blow each know. other up. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> It's um, like you could have almost just not said anything, and I would have had the same result. But yeah. it was very big. Everyone was talking about it. It was. All right, Lars, what's your third uh, favorite song or album of the year? I mean, I don't, I don't have them in any particular order. I'm happy just, like, blurting out some stuff unless you want me to go in order. You can just blurt um, some stuff out. That's fine. Uh, like, some stuff that, like, spoke to me this year. It was not a big... My my musical uh, diversity has decreased since Michael and I stopped living together, but some things I liked this year. Billie Eilish had a good album, Happier Than Ever, had some of my favorite songs this year. Um, Tyler, the Creator, had a good album. Uh, I think Call Me If You Get Lost. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Um, pretty good. Um, I got really into this one Illuminati Hotties song that Michael like <laughs> sent my way. Uh, despite it's like a DNC conspiracy line, it doesn't really fit in it. But uh, oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the, the song's called. Yes, thank you. Um, and then in the last couple of weeks, I've been jamming on uh, another Michael song, uh, Ben Franklin by Snail Mail. Um, and, you know, I actually liked Montero too. I thought that was like a pretty good song this year. I listened to it a lot. So it, those those are my songs. I Lil Nas X has definitely surprised me because I thought he was like done after Old Town Road. Like the, like seven, the album he put out after Old Town Road was like not good. Um, yeah. But he has he at the very least knows how to like keep people interested. Um, right. So and it's like good it's for got a catchy yeah. catchy intro. I, yeah. I dig it. So All that right. was my music. Cool. 
Um, yeah, I, I had a whole list of albums and songs. I wrote up my list of songs on thepostwriter.com. You can find them there. I tweeted out my albums list. My top three albums, uh, just because I have them in front of me, are Valentine by Snail Mail, which Lars alluded to, a very sort of like, for such a young artist, like a very sort of world-weary and kind of um, exhausted but in a good way sounding album. Um, then And a, an expansion of her sound that I was kind of wary of at first because it is a little a little poppier than her first album, but it also, I think, goes in some like necessary um, directions of growth. Uh, number two, I had Ultra Pop by The Armed, which is like this very like heavy, noisy, hardcore album um, that sort of it's a, it at once kind of applies these like pop like structures to hardcore music, but is also just so distorted and loud and just kind of like unwieldy that it's also completely kind of like out there. So it it's it is at once it, it's they're kind of trying to like reshape hardcore. Um, into something a little more tuneful and yet also trying to make it as sort of outrageous and like massive and sort of like titanic as possible um it's just like something you really have to hear to believe um and for a while i thought it was gonna be my favorite album of the year but then i kind of stopped listening to it my number one album of the year the one that i listened to the most was uh, jubilee by japanese breakfast who Again, definitely probably their poppiest album that they've ever released. They started out as sort of more lo-fi and shoegazy. Um, but it really stood out to me, I think, because the 2010s, there was definitely a lot of music about misery. Um, and I think Jubilee, uh, uh, consistent with its title, is certainly an album about joy. And it also incorporates just sort of a lot of reference points that you have. I haven't heard a lot in a lot of current indie rock. Like, there's definitely sort of like a... The, the band Beirut is one that popped out to me, certainly, in the first song paprika and then uh be sweet is probably the one song you've heard from it if you're not that familiar with the album very catchy um there's a lot of other great tracks like slide tackle and in hell and savage good boy just a really a really good time and i think um it was like the second big concert i saw after covid um at broken steel which was a lot of fun um so yeah that's that's my music I, I have a question. Yes. Question for you, Mike. Do you think 2021 was like a oddly weak year for music? I do. It, yeah. it, I do think it was weak, and it was also one where there was no grand consensus about like what was the best of the year. Yeah. Um, right. which, That's the impression I got when I was like putting together my list. I was like, this yeah. is not a lot. I'm yeah. Not, yeah. I agree. Um, but hey, hopefully it bounces back in 2022. Um, all right, let's. So we're we're in kind of like a wild card round now. Um, why don't we just kind of like start with you, Lars, and just kind of is there is there we talked about do we want to talk about restaurants, travel, video games, other things we experienced? Why, why don't you throw some stuff, Lars, and see see what sticks? Let's see what sticks. So <laughs> let's see food 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 this year. Uh, I am blessed to have lived and traveled to some. Uh, places that have very good food so in las vegas nevada uh i found maybe the best thai restaurant in the world and that is apparently also what like sorry in america let me clarify <laughs> say. let me clarify <laughs> um, better than thailand in the best american in the world, world in the middle of a desert Thousands right. of miles um, away from Thailand. It is, it is ranked, <laughs> it was like ranked as like the best Thai restaurant in America. So that's what I meant. I used a bit you're of made, You're making Mike laugh too me. hard. He's going to go to the hospital. Um, it's called Lotus of Siam. It's just north of UNLV. Really, really good. Um, a friend of the site, Matt Wilson, uh, found it and took me there. It was really good. Um in Kansas City, I went to a, a barbecue place called Q39 a few months ago. That was really good, if you like KC barbecue. And then a week ago, I was blessed to go to my favorite restaurant on Earth for the first time in, like, two years. And that is, of course, Chef Jeff's. And I got a great mushroom pizza, and it was just a very heartwarming experience. So those are my big restaurant wins for the year. Okay. Uh, Lewis, anything that didn't fit in our little our, our, our prior three categories you want to... Well, now that you mention it, I do, do remember, if we can go back to music, I did go to 
when I was in Philadelphia, I did have the privilege of seeing the band Idols. Uh, my friend Jonah from Los Angeles, he bought me tickets and we were able to go see Idols. So that was definitely uh, an enjoyable concert. Definitely um, very, very rock and roll. Uh, I'm sure Mike could definitely talk more about the intricacies of the music and whatnot, but I, I enjoyed that. So that that's something I did uh, music related in 2021. All right, yeah. Idols, a, a, post, a post-punk band, a very well-respected live band. Um, very, very angry political lyrics. Um, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> very subtle. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think of, of if there was anything specifically uh, restaurant that I went to. Um, for the first time ever, I went to Martha's Country Bakery in Williamsburg in Brooklyn. Um it's just a bakery and all they do is sell like cheesecake and um uh cookies and 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 pies and the like and it's really good i i would definitely recommend it um if you know you are hungry enough for dessert (laughs) uh (laughs) skip skip whatever they try to get you in the restaurant just go straight there martha country bakery um good to know yeah um I've got other other things. Sure. So just keep going. Okay. What else? More more restaurant <laughs> things? No, no. I, I'm past. Restaurant. I found. I think I, he thinks. I think I found the best Indian restaurant in the world. <laughs> in, in the Las world. Vegas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Places I visited this year that were really special. Um, I did like a trip down to Southern California a few months ago to see the Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan Presidential Libraries. Uh, highly recommend the Richard Nixon one. It is very well done. Um, the very it's actually a very like moving and emotional museum. If you both if you like Nixon <laughs> or if you are just like fascinated by him, which if you follow the site a lot, you know I am. Um, that was a great trip. Um, I also got to go. Michael visited me in Vegas, and we drove up to this ghost town called Delamar, uh, the Widowmaker. Um, and I had been there once before in my life, but I think it is like very cool to just walk around and like fall in the pits and die. Um, and it's like kind of a, a interesting drive to get up there that's a little intimidating, but I, I don't know, I think it was worth it. We had like a nice lunch out there. <laughs> it was fun. It's like, if you're gonna like, ghost towns are cool and that one is like, there's like a like a rusted over car there. It's there's an old old graveyard. Very very cool stuff. Yeah. Um, anyone else got other things? Otherwise, I can keep going. Uh, I went. I took a spur of the moment trip to to Baltimore a couple of months ago to go to the Baltimore Comic Con. Um, I went there so I could meet uh, Don Rosa, uh, the creator of uh, many Donald Duck, Uncle Scrooge comics such as The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck, one of the greatest comics ever created. So I was able to meet with him, get him to sign a print of Donald Duck and Uncle Scrooge, which I have hanging up behind me. Um, talked with him for a few minutes. So it was a well well worth it spur of the moment trip because uh, with COVID and everything, I was like, you never know um, when, you know, you might not have the chance to meet people, you know, while they're still here walking among, among us. So I figured, you know, why not take a chance and. uh uh, go go to Baltimore, meet him, and you know it was very crowded, and you know lots of people were there, very excited. Lots of people were dressed up, so it was just a nice spur of the moment trip to just take the bus down to Baltimore for the day. Right on, yeah. So I did a little traveling more than I realized when I started to think about it. I was in Las Vegas, that was very cool. Lars drove me around in his Jeep through the desert, that was fun. Um, I also was in Oregon for a little bit for. Um, sort of uh, there was there was a, a, a death in the family that happened over COVID um, that couldn't properly be commemorated at the time so we did it uh, over the summer and um, the remains of these people who passed away um, they, they were cremated and um, their ashes were spread over some body of water in Oregon um, they were thrown from a Stearman biplane um, and after the whole ceremony, uh, the owner of the Stearman biplane was like, hey, if people want to take rides in the airplane, we can take rides in the airplane. 
Um, and so a lot of us had rides in a open cockpit airplane, which is a terrifying experience. <laughs> it's like amazing. It's absolutely incredible. Um, until you look out the side and you're like, oh my God, I am, you know, thousands of feet up in the air. And then he, while we were up there, he was like, oh, do you want to like fly the airplane? <laughs> and I was like, sure. And I got the chance to fly the airplane. And uh, that's also terrifying when you like jerk a stick and then the plane is either going up towards like, you know, just the clear blue sky or you put it the other direction and you're going down towards like, you know, the ground. Um, just it's it, an absolutely incredible experience. Like my leg was literally shaking for a good chunk of it. Um, if you ever get the chance to fly in a Stearman biplane, definitely take it. But uh, maybe also uh, chill yourself out beforehand because I was definitely not chill. Um, while <laughs> Smoke weed before. Yeah. I also um, uh, on on sort of like the. Uh, comic book um, uh, track, I went to um, the Museum of Cartoon Art in San Francisco. It's a very small museum in San Francisco, but they have um, a lot of great comic book and cartoon art there, um, as well as some replica like costumes and props from the Batman films. Um, we just kind of went on a whim. I was in San Francisco after I was in Oregon, and we just kind of went on a whim there. It was fun. Um, also, while I was in San Francisco, went to AT&T Park, um, the home of the San Francisco Giants for a baseball game. Absolutely beautiful baseball field. You get, like, this great view of the bay in the back. Um, and I also went to uh, the Oco Coliseum, where the Oakland Athletics currently play. Not a very pretty baseball field, but, it act- but, but like, a fantastic atmosphere. Like, the people there really care, even though there aren't very many of them, honestly. Um, like, good, just for the atmosphere alone, I think it's really, really worth going. Um, so, yeah. And anything else, Lars? <laughs> yeah, why not? You know, I, I just had, like, so many nice experiences this year. Um, I guess last, last few, uh, I got into Risk of Rain, which is, like, a video game this year. I would recommend it. It's pretty old, but very fun platformer um uh the circa casino for all of your gaming needs is the best casino in las vegas i don't care what anyone else says uh it is amazing i took mike through there and he saw the giant sports book it's just very clean and very cool um emphasis on the clean most casinos (laughs) aren't clean um i just like like walking through it and and sitting around there it's it's nice um and then found a lot of good beers and breweries um in in the area i would recommend beer district brewing i have a friend who owns it and uh if you're in las vegas hit me up (laughs) for a good time call (laughs) yeah i I, I don't know i found like all these these great like restaurants and and like breweries it's uh it's yes. good. And very, a very good tour guide of the city, Lars is for um, Las Vegas. Thank you, Mike. I, I, I say the same about you and Chatham. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 Those and, are all my peaks this year. <laughs> great. Anything, anything else for you to add, Lewis? Uh, well, in 2021, in January, I actually had a short film that I wrote and directed actually mm. played at a, a film festival down in florida the central florida film festival so um that's something that happened to me in 2021 i guess first time i've had a film shown at a film festival what what was it called and can people find it online missed call i think i might have hidden it because it was i was submitting it to festivals and stuff but um uh you can go to www.lewis-ryan.com that's my website i have a lot of my film stuff there i'll make sure it's up and viewable to watch if anyone (laughs) listens to this podcast and is interested it's like a short two and a half minute thing it's like kind of a thriller horror short um that i did for experimental filmmaking class um the teach when i pitched it to the teacher they had like no idea like what i was talking about or how it was going to work but when it ended up uh, getting all finished, they were like, "Oh, I see. That's what you're trying to do." So, if anyone's interested, 
Uh, I'll I'll have it up on my website. Yeah, I've watched it. It's good. I can vouch for that. Uh, oh yeah, you have. I have. Yeah, you post oh, cool. you posted it online. I think before you. Yeah, it. I yeah. did. So mm-hmm. yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I really think. Well, I I was published in lots of places outside the post writer. Um, uh, I, I wrote a profile on a third-party candidate for New York City mayor in Brooklyn Magazine. I also wrote a piece about sort of the rise of electric, uh, personal electric vehicles in that same site, um, as well as two pieces for pavement pieces, one about the uh, elections in 2020 in northern New Jersey and the other about an affordable housing controversy in my small little hometown. Um, that was kind of ended up being very convoluted and forced me to learn a lot about uh, New Jersey housing law very quickly. Um, and then also, I'll, I'll shout out some books I read. Um, I realized I didn't read any books that came out in 2021, um, but if I had to recommend a few, so I, um, if you listen to our politics podcast, you've probably heard me reference them a lot. But Rick Perlstein has a series of books about the history of the conservative movement. Um, I read two of those books this year: Nixon Land, which is about um, the president's well, the election and then subsequent presidency of Richard Nixon, as you it's can also probably my favorite guess. amusement park. Yes, um, and then the the what the follow up to that is called the Invisible Bridge, which is about uh, Watergate and then the subsequent uh, rise of Ronald Reagan. Um, and then the other book I read, which actually came out in twenty twenty, uh, was called This Isn't Happening by Stephen Hyden. It is his sort of critical overview. Some some people didn't like it and compared it to just basically like a overlong blog post, but I thought it was a really interesting look at um, Kid A by Radiohead, which is, you know, considered probably um, the most influential and important and some would say best album of the 2000s, or at least one of them. Um, and a really interesting look at how that album kind of uh, predicted and also I think defied some of our the, the ways we think about the internet now and how we would use the internet in relation to music um, and how we would sort of discuss and think about music now and it, how it was it was more of just more of a more than just a stylistic benchmark it was also in lots of ways a sort of um, commercial and kind of cultural ben- benchmark as well um, so yeah uh, I think that's all we have um, I have one last shout out Mike okay uh everyone please uh tweet at mike he graduated from new york (laughs) university this year he got his master's degree so congratulations mike thank you yes i did yay mike yeah thanks um what was your degree in covid (laughs) (laughs) it was in digital it was in uh, magazine journalism and digital storytelling and our graduation ceremony was canceled at the last minute literally we were walking to the building uh because of covid (laughs) Uh, but uh, whoa! Uh, <laughs> what? That that is sudden. It is very sudden. yes. It's extremely sudden. Um, so we 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 seized our uh, diplomas and 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 distributed them to ourselves in a, what I called a gorilla graduation, um, and uh, found a way to celebrate anyway. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was. It Congrats, was, Mike. Thanks. Thanks. And thank you all for listening. Thank you, Lars and Lewis, for participating, for contributing to this joint venture of ours. Um, thank you to the listeners, to the readers. Um, thanks for bearing with us as we work on some scheduling things, on some site things, on making sure we put out better and more consistent and more timely uh, content. And yeah, thanks for all your support. Um, Let, let's go 2022 no 2022 i'm mike levito you can find me on the post dryer on twitter adam levito letterbox adam aramike i'm lars emerson you can find me on letterboxd at lars emerson and i'm lewis ryan and you can find me if you dare <laughs> <laughs> um catch him if you can folks thanks so much for listening happy new year and uh let's go 2022